Hui, an Easter tradition is for the start of Easter and church services to start off with the ringing of bells. Since we can't do that in person this year, we asked few of our Advent congregation members to ring some bells of their own. some flowers. I had picked them on Friday and we took some perfume and spices. We thought there'd be a smell. You know, the way corpses go. I was scared. It, it was just... The men wouldn't come. They were scared like me. We ran up the road. We were out of breath. But we walked through the graveyard. We wondered about the stone. Who would roll it away? We should have brought them in. And then we looked. The, the stone, stone was away. away. I went in first. I was terrified. I never wanted to go. There was nothing there. There were just bandages. Right where we had left him. But no body. And then we heard a voice. But it wasn't his voice. It said he was risen. It said he wasn't there. It said we had to tell others. So, we've got to go back. But who will believe us? They'll think we're mad. We've got to tell the others. But... He'll never believe us. They'll say we're just stupid women. But the stone was rolled away. And the body wasn't there. And we did hear a voice. And, and he, he is risen. Who taught the sun where to stand in the the ocean you can only come this far and who showed the moon where to hide till evening whose words alone can catch a falling star well I know my redeemer This life within me cries, 
same God that spins things in orbit, runs to the weary, the worn and the weak, the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken, they've conquered death and Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they could embalm him. Very early on Sunday morning, as the sun rose, they went to the tomb. They worried, out loud to each other, who will roll back the stone from the tomb for us? Then they looked up saw that it had been rolled back. It was a huge stone and walked right in. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed all in white. They were completely taken aback, astonished. He said, Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's no longer here. You can see for yourselves that the place is empty now, on your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there, exactly as he said. They got out as fast as they could, besides themselves, their heads swimming, stunned. They said nothing to anyone. On any other given Easter Sunday morning, I would be preaching from a pulpit in the sanctuary of our church. 
But this sheltering experience has given me the unique opportunity to do something I've always wanted to do on Easter Sunday morning, to go out and walk among the dead to look for Jesus. I've been walking around for quite some time and I have yet to find him, although I didn't expect to find him. And I did not need a little man in a white robe to tell me that, although it would have been nice. Unlike them, I am not carrying the burden of grief into this place of death. I did not come here expecting to find his body and tend to his wounds. I have been in this cemetery at least 20 times in the last four years, tending to somebody from my congregation that needed to be buried. I've stood by the grave of the deceased. I've spoke the promise of their baptism. I've prayed the Lord's Prayer and I embraced the grieving. I've never brought spices or oils to tend to their body to these committal services. However, I've done what those women sought to do. I have anointed the dead with words and comforted the grieving with compassion. This cemetery is well maintained. Even when the leaves are down and the grass is dead, this place retains a sense of dignity, of calm, and of reverence. It is a peaceful place, a quiet place, but don't let appearances fool you. It's a place of fear. We tend to be afraid of cemeteries because we know it is our inevitable home. It is the place where we are forced to remember the pain of loss and the grief and pain of death and the isolation of loneliness. Cemeteries tend to be visited only in those times of great grief and deep mourning, so it is really important this Easter morning that we listen to the man dressed in a white robe sitting at the empty tomb. Do not be afraid. Perhaps the next time you're walking in the cemetery and you're overcome with grief, you need to remember those words, do not be afraid. This is a phrase that is repeated often in the Bible. You may recognize it. It is spoken every time something really, really important is going to happen. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your wife Elizabeth will have a son. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, James and John, for from now on you will fish for people. On this Easter Sunday morning, especially at this time of a pandemic, when we are overcome with news of death, it is really important that we hear those words. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This morning, to walk amongst the dead, to look for Jesus. <laughs> Silly me, I know the story. Jesus is not here among the dead, but then again, neither are the dead. They are with Jesus among the living. Yes, I know we have put them to rest and we have placed monuments with their names on it so we can go to remember them and to share in our experience with them. It is good to have a place to remember and to find comfort, but those who have been laid to rest are not really here. I know that because like I told you before, I was the one that came here and anointed them. And if not me, someone like me. We anointed them with the promise of their baptism. 
of baptism ritual that is born out of the death and resurrection of Christ. We baptize people into the death of Christ so that they might be also baptized into his life as well. This morning, standing among the dead, I'm thinking of the saints that I have buried since I have come to Advent. I'm thinking of John Childers and Wayne Murphy, of Neil Nickerson and Lois Van Dyke. Each one of them knew that in dying, they were leaving death behind to go into the life where Jesus dwells. Each one of them knew the tomb was empty. When I first became a pastor, the thing that I feared the most were funerals. At that point in my life, I had not really experienced death. Much to my surprise, funerals became the source of great joy. Matter of fact, the more I sit with people as they die, the more I believe in the resurrection and the less I believe in the laws that we construct deciding who's good or bad, saved and unsaved, righteous and unrighteous. In the end, God does not want our morality. God wants us. And he wants us to go to the place where Jesus dwells, which is life. The resurrection story in Mark is the worst resurrection story in the Bible. And Mark is my favorite gospel. First, it's the only resurrection story that does not have an appearance of Jesus. Second, the man dressed in the white robe, the angel tells the women to go tell the disciples and they don't. One verse, the last sentence in the resurrection account, account in Mark screws everything up. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. They had two jobs, the angel gave them two jobs, do not be afraid and go tell the disciples, and they failed at both. So later, authors came into Mark and they tried to correct it to make, have it make sense, and you can read about it later. There's these little lines that are put into the Bible that don't really belong there. But these authors were the ones who got it wrong. You see, Mark's gospel follows a pattern. David Loth's, David Lowe's, the senior pastor at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, uh, wrote a reflection on it. He pointed out in Mark, the people who are supposed to get it don't. And the ones who do understand are the people who cannot be trusted. Then David Lowe's pointed out something that when you think about it is quite obvious, but is often overlooked. There's one other person that goes to that empty tomb and sees and hears that amazing story. One other person who is given the command to go and tell the good news. You. You are given that command. And when you think about it then, maybe Mark isn't the worst resurrection story, but the best. Mark doesn't allow that story to remain focused somewhere in the past, but a living and breathing command to move forward. I used to think that going and telling the good news was just getting up in somebody's face and saying, hey, have you had a personal encounter with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Some choose to do that, but that's not my style. I tend to think about going to church as telling the good news. 
And sometimes when you're telling that good news, the person you're actually speaking to is yourself. You need to hear why you're going to worship. Gratitude, thanksgiving for all that you've given. You also hear, need to hear the good news of hope in the middle of despair, calm in a time of anxiety. I like to think also of those people that give their time, talent, and treasures to help people at risk and to pay it forward, so to speak, are telling the good news. Some are telling the good news simply by being compassionate, loving, and understanding to their neighbor. For me, when I go into church on Sunday morning and I put on this white robe, when I put on this white robe, I'm wrapping myself in the good news. And I'm accepting my role as a person that's called and ordained to proclaim the good news in a unique way. When I go in, I put this stole on. I'm not putting this stole on because it's beautiful and pretty and I want to look attractive and match the colors of the season. This stole is a yoke and a burden to remind me that I am to proclaim the good news at all times, whether I'm wearing a robe or not, whether I feel like it or not, or whether I like the person or not. My friend, Winston Prasad, would tell me the story about teaching the good news to children on Easter Sunday in his home country, Guyana. After the Easter, Easter worship services was, was over, he would take the children and they would go outside into the cemetery and they would fly kites. And when they flo were flying the kites, they would tell the kids about the resurrection, that the dead are not really resting in this place, the dead are alive and living with Jesus. And I'm thinking of the children in our congregation and in these neighborhoods at this time of a pandemic. I don't think you realize how much they're hearing about death and isolation and loneliness. So perhaps this Easter Sunday, you might find a kite and go out into a field and fly a kite and teach your children about the resurrection. And when you're teaching them about the resurrection, share those words, those words that mark this day. He is risen. He is risen. Thank you.
close this time together, remember. God is always with you, no matter what we face. No matter what trials or hardships come your way. God is right beside you. So, acknowledge your fear and your worry. And know it is as true and as holy as any feeling. Including joy and hope and love. Take heart, my friends. This is the heart of the matter. Let the people say, Amen! receive the blessing this blessed Easter morning. From our sanctuary to your sacred space at home, let the proclamation ring, Christ has risen, Christ has risen indeed. And may the loving power of God, which raised Jesus to new life, breathe new life in you. And may God strengthen you in hope, enrich you in love, and fill you with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Amen.